0: You're listening to Upturn Radio. It's Thursday, February twenty-second.
1: I'm Tommaso baronio and I'm Samuel Eli Shepard. Pharmacists are pushing for stronger regulations around pharmacy benefit managers.
2: The Italian people would say, hey, "I used to come to your grandfather, and I come to your father, and now I come to
0: you." Since the pandemic, the number of New York students missing school has doubled. There is one unlikely culprit student entrepreneurship. You know, sometimes school is not everything because Work will give you money now, you know, school will give you money later.
1: And a new study proved an online test to diagnose autism is actually effective.
3: It doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has autism. You certainly don't want to be swayed by, oh, yeah, I have a little bit of that and a little bit of this, and therefore I'm self-diagnosing myself with autism.
0: And how
1: much would you pay for an Anton John ticket?
3: His collection is kind of eccentric and fun,
4: and people wanted to see it.
1: All that and more on Uptown Radio.
5: Patients seeking in vitro fertilization services are facing fewer choices in Alabama as more providers pause treatments to examine the legal consequences of the state Supreme Court's ruling last week they include the University of Alabama at Birmingham Health System, the state's largest WBHM's Richard Banks reports many patients are trying to find out if they'll be allowed to access their embryos.
6: Dr. Aubrey Coleman is a pediatrician and a mom who had stored seven embryos at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Still six of Coleman's embryos remain there, leaving her frustrated by the court's decision.
7: It's really a slap in the face to me medically
8: and as a mom to say that those embryos are the same as
6: my child." Coleman, who recently moved from Alabama, says she's hoping to transfer the embryos but can't do that until the legal implications are better understood. A statement from the hospital system on Wednesday said officials are evaluating if patients and physicians could face legal action for continuing IVF treatments. For NPR News, I'm Richard Banks in Birmingham, Alabama. President
5: Biden has met with the widow and daughter of the late Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Tomorrow, Biden is scheduled to formally announce additional sanctions against Russia for the role that Washington alleges the Kremlin played in the death of the imprisoned anti-Putin activist. Earlier today, Navalny's mother said she was finally allowed to view her son's body. The circumstances surrounding Navalny's death in prison remain a mystery. SHOCKING AND UNSUSTAINABLE. THAT'S HOW A TOP U.N. OFFICIAL DESCRIBES the SITUATION NOW IN GAZA. And NPR'S MICHELLE KELLEMAN REPORTS ON THE LATEST DEBATE AT THE U.N. SECURITY COUNCIL ON THE SUBJECT. THE U.N. SPECIAL COORDINATOR FOR THE MIDDLE EAST TOR VENESLAN TELLS THE SECURITY COUNCIL HE WAS JUST IN GAZA TO SEE FIRSTHAND WHAT HE CALLS THE UNFOLDING TRAGEDY.
2: I'M DEEPLY CONCERNED ABOUT A POSSIBLE FULL-SCALE ISRAELI MILITARY OPERATION IN THE DENSELY POPULATED RAFA AREA. Where some 1.4 million Palestinians are centering.
5: U.S. Ambassador Robert Wood says the U.S. has been raising concerns with Israel about Rafa too. He says the best way to bring about an end to the conflict is for Hamas to release hostages, and those negotiations are continuing, though he says they're complicated. Michelle Kellerman, NPR News, the State Department. America may be about to land on the moon for the first time in more than half a century. The robotic mission was built by A Houston-based company and is NPR's Jeff Brownfield. Reports it's nearly ready to descend to the surface. This
6: little probe is called Odysseus. It's about the size of a phone booth and it's supposed to sit down
1: near the lunar South Pole. Now, Mission Control has been watching it. It's been in orbit for about a day or so. They're making a few tweaks before they start that landing sequence, but we should see it begin to descend later today.
5: Jeff Bromfield reporting. It's NPR.
6: And you're listening.
9: From Columbia Radio News, I'm Cecilia Blotto. This morning, the city controller filed a lawsuit against two MTA contractors for allegedly underpaying workers hired to clean subway cars and stations during the pandemic. The two companies were awarded over $14 and $20 million in contracts, but the lawsuit claims that they failed to pay hundreds of essential workers at required rates. The lawsuit seeks $2.5 million for the workers they call pandemic heroes, including restitution for their underpayments and fines. Today, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman announced a ban on transgender athletes playing in female competitive sports. Sports teams that do not comply will be barred from the county's 100 sports facilities. Blakeman was joined by athletes and coaches who have opposed competing against transgender girls.
10: It is an unfair advantage for someone who is a biological male to compete against a biological female.
9: He said the ban will take effect immediately. In an interview on television news, Long Island's LGBT network called the order discriminatory and illegal. The judge who ordered Donald Trump to pay over $300 million in fines in a New York civil fraud case denied the request to delay formalizing his decision. Judge Arthur Ngoron of the New York State Supreme Court is also banning Trump from seeking loans from financial institutions in New York for the next three years. Trump has vowed to appeal the ruling and is criticising Ngoron and New York Attorney General Letitia James, alleging they pursued the civil case for political reasons. Train-wise, the northbound c are running with delays after disruption by passengers at 23rd Street. And the weather this afternoon, cloudy, with temperatures in the mid-40s. Scattered showers are expected and may continue into the night. This is Cecilia Blotto, Columbia Radio News.
1: This is Uptown Radio. I'm Samuel Eli Shepherd, And I'm Tommaso Baronio. Was your phone working today? For tens of thousands of AT&T users across the U.S., services were down. But how did this happen? Analysts say fault and software updates are the cause of this nationwide outage. Analyst Roger Entner says these glitches happen all the time. Tommaso Baranio reports.
8: It brings down the network. Uh, it takes about six to eight hours to fix this. And then it works just fine again it's wireless networks have become like computers and are being run by computers and sometimes you have these glitches
0: I asked Entner what this nationwide outage meant for users
8: people couldn't call each other and uh, but from as far as I know 911 was not or only minimally impacted and you know a little bit this afternoon uh, everybody will be fine again
0: AT&T released an announcement today saying they were fixing the issue and nurses say these issues impact networks all the time
8: this happened to the other carriers too and it's annoying but people don't it, it doesn't have a big impact
0: he says this may happen again in the future, but users will still pay the carriers.
8: When this has happened to other carriers, we have not seen an impact, uh, you know, people leaving or, or anything out of the ordinary. This is a ripple, not a wave.
0: If this is a problem that happens all the time, will people be tempted to switch to another network?
8: People are annoyed, but not, but, but I don't think the trust is impacted. Okay. Right. It's when your spouse is dropping a box of eggs. Okay. You might be annoyed that it happened, but you continue to trust your spouse.
0: But still, I wouldn't want my marriage to be like the AT&T network. Tomas Baronio, Columbia Radio News. Pharmacy benefit managers. You may never have heard of them, but these powerful middlemen are responsible for managing drug costs between pharmacies, health insurers, and manufacturers but their unique burning in positions allows them to charge a lot for their services, which can be a problem for independent community pharmacies. As Claire Davenport reports, local New York pharmacists are pushing for stronger regulation.
3: In the back room of Mount Carmel Pharmacy in the Bronx's Little Italy, technicians in white coats bustle around. They're fielding calls, measuring out tablets, and sorting prescriptions. Roger Paginelli is co owner and a third generation pharmacist.
2: The Italian people would say, Hey, I used to come to your grandfather, and I'm coming to your father, and now I'm coming to you.
3: And many of those customers are here for their medications. But the drugs at the core of Paginelli's business can sometimes cost more than he pays for them. Paginelli says this is because of PBMs, intermediaries that work on behalf of insurance companies. Originally, the role was created to simplify the system for fulfilling prescriptions. Instead of a pharmacist having to check with an insurance company to see how much of a patient's medication bill would be covered, a PBM would get the answer in a matter of seconds.
2: Which is, you know, uh, from a 50,000-foot view, really smart, right? Right. The benefits should be managed because there are brand name drugs, there are generic drugs.
3: But Paginelli says somewhere along the way, they started charging higher transaction fees for their services. And sometimes these fees are so high, pharmacists can actually lose money when filling prescriptions, even for life-saving devices like asthma inhalers.
2: In many instances, we'll fill a prescription for below our cost and the dispensing fee for that will be zero or 50 cents.
3: I spoke with five local pharmacists who said they're facing the same problem, losing money on some drug sales. For small business owners, that can be a pretty tough pill to swallow. So last year, New York State began auditing and overseeing PBMs. The purpose is how they work and suggest new standards and regulations. The state released their first regulatory suggestions in October, but last week the public was invited to comment on new weaker regulations.
10: Any reference to any economic changes have been eliminated. Any reference to the procedures for reinstatement have been eliminated.
3: That's James Schiffer, a pharmacist turned lawyer. He's working with the state's pharmacist union to strengthen the regulations. He says PBMs have become too big. Quite literally compounding the problem, PBMs have consolidated with their clients. Like CVS and Aetna. Schiffer thinks their market power might have helped them shift the regulations in their favor.
8: Pressure. Lobbyist pressure.
3: When asked if their fees are burdensome, the Pharmaceutical Care Management Association, a national organization representing PBMs, didn't respond to our request in time for air. Next Tuesday, over 100 independent pharmacists will head to the state capitol to lobby legislators. One big request will be stronger regulations for PBMs. Claire Davenport, Columbia Radio News.
1: student absences are on the rise nationally the number of students missing school all the way from k to 12 has doubled since the pandemic began that's according to the u.s department of education there can be a lot of contributing factors for absences but as Fahima dega reports some new york city public school students are choosing other pathways to develop their careers
11: 46th Street in Flatbush is a long block. In the middle is a brown house. Walk into the backyard there, and the first thing you see is a white shed, and it's filled with birds.
1: At Amazon, this one is they come from the Amazon rainforest. Forest. This one is about $2,500, and they live up to, like, 50, 60 years.
11: That's Kizer Malik. He's 18 years old and a senior at Clinton High School in the Bronx. But he has other things on his mind besides school. He's the co-owner of a small business selling exotic animals like these birds. A bird just sat on my head. Do you prefer your small business over school?
1: (laughs) That's that's a hard question. It depends.
11: It depends. Malik started his business out of boredom when he was stuck at home during COVID. Now he has a business partner, a grown-up. That's who owns the property here, and they breed cats like Persians in the basement. When I ask Malik how much he makes, he won't tell me. But he says they sell a couple of birds every day. The types of birds they sell can go for up to $20,000, and they have an Instagram account with 10,000 followers. But he has an hour commute from his home in the Bronx to his partner's house here in Brooklyn, and all of this means he misses a couple of days of school, or a lot of days of school.
0: You know, sometimes school is not everything, but yeah, there are some days that you have to uh, sacrifice either school or work, because work, work will give you money now, you know, school will give you money later. So a couple days won't do any harm.
11: In my reporting, I've seen a lot of high school students like Malik who run their own businesses, selling fake eyelashes, doing nails, some even have their own clothing brands. In New York City, just over a third of students all the way from K to grade 12 were absent in 2022. Of course, they don't all have their own small businesses, but they did miss 10% of the school year and students prioritizing work can lead them to miss a lot of school. So how do schools fix this? Nat Malkus researches education policy at the American Enterprise Institute, a conservative-leaning think tank. What can
12: schools do? I mean, schools can do a a number of things. They can provide supports. They can ensure transportation is met. They can actually have consequences if students don't come back. Like, they could not get credits if they don't attend enough in high school. uh, They could have some consequences for students who don't show up. You know, you can argue about the moral obligation, but there's a legal obligation to get your kids to school in all 50 states up to a certain age.
11: Malkus says students were already behind from the pandemic. So, to catch up, they have to learn faster. Being absent won't help. Malik, who has school tomorrow, will definitely be present. Fahima Degia, Uptown Radio.
0: Who doesn't love online tests? We've seen them all, from what's your personal type to which shape of pasta represents you best. But what happens when a new viral multiple-choice quiz can diagnose you with autism? Julia Liu reports.
4: Katie Bowen never thought she was autistic. Until in 2021, That's she started posting TikTok videos right about making her home ADHD-friendly.
13: Were you guys aware that you can decorate your room in ways that help your ADHD? And the comments
4: you started coming in.
14: And they were like, dude, you're not just ADHD. And I was like am I autistic? (laughs) Who's to say?
4: Usually the first step to confirm suspicions of autism is to visit a psychologist. But now a decades-old test to self-diagnose autistic behaviors is getting a new life. It's called RADS-R, quite a mouthful, I know, and it's available online for free. It takes a half hour to answer the 80 multiple choice questions. Then the test spits out a score between zero and 240. And if you score above 65, well, like Kitty Bowen, you might be autistic. I
13: think I was like
14: 160s, maybe 180s, really, really high on there.
4: The credit for the test's newfound popularity goes to autism researcher, Alexandra Strum. She asked almost 900 adults, some who self-identify as autistic and others with an official diagnosis, to take the test. And all of their scores put them on the autism spectrum. But Strom acknowledges there is a difference between socially identifying as autistic and having a medical diagnosis. Then you
7: also have to meet this threshold for what the medical community would term
4: impairment. And impairment is not that easy to measure on a scale. Jennifer Bain teaches neurology at Columbia. She says you can't measure autism the way you do something like blood pressure. She also says, on the one hand, the test is great if it helps reduce the stigma around autism.
3: On the other hand, you certainly don't want to be swayed by, oh, yeah, I have a little bit of that and a little bit of this, and therefore I'm self-diagnosing myself with autism.
4: But Ali Carbone says people only want to be a certain kind of autistic.
7: The RADS thing is glamorous and it's sexy.
4: Carbone just wrote a book about living with her three autistic siblings.
7: People love to learn about my brother, Anthony, because he's social. You can have a conversation with him. He loves to perform. He loves to be around people.
4: These kinds of autism traits are very well accepted, even liked. But the ones our other brother, Michael, has, well, not so much.
7: Like, can't see, can't speak, got nothing. Nobody wants to hear about Michael's story because it's depressing. It sucks.
4: So Colombian neurologist Jennifer Bain says the test has limitations. But it can offer
3: some clues. And so it just kind of gives you a likelihood for, yes, I think we are we should keep pursuing the autism question or no.
4: So treat this test like most internet quizzes. Be curious, but skeptical. Julia Leo, Columbia Radio News.
1: New York City has filed a lawsuit against the big five social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and YouTube. As part of the lawsuit, the city claims that the companies owe money for damage they've caused to children's mental health. Zoe Yi reports.
15: The city's complaint against the big tech companies is 311 pages long. Mayor Adams says the lawsuit is groundbreaking in that it treats social media as a health hazard.
10: New York is the first major American city to take combined steps of this magnitude and call out the danger of social media clearly and directly, just as the Surgeon General did with tobacco and guns.
15: The complaint says the social media platforms target school-aged children, intentionally addict them with minimal oversight from their parents, and have created a mental health crisis affecting millions of teenagers who have a hard time getting off their
10: screens. Much of it focused on the endless stream of social media that has been designed with one goal in mind, keeping the user engaged for as long as possible.
15: Suing social media platforms for content is tricky, so this lawsuit is focused directly on the way the sites are built. And Mayor Adams says the toll of these systems is expensive.
10: We spend over $100 million on youth mental health programs each year alone even as these corporations reap billions of dollars of profit at the cost of young people's emotional, mental, and physical health.
15: If the city's lawsuit is successful, the companies will pay for these damages, change the way their tech works, and fund prevention education, and mental health treatment. Before this lawsuit, the city had already joined 33 states that sued META several months ago. Meta owns Instagram and Facebook. Its CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, has been coming under increasing heat beyond these lawsuits. He and several other social media CEOs had to testify before the Senate a few weeks ago.
14: Do you
5: affirm the testimony you're about to give before the committee will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God.
15: The Senate hearing room was filled with families holding pictures of their teenage children, some of whom had died by suicide. Missouri Senator Josh Hawley pushed Zuckerberg for accountability.
12: Have you compensated any of the victims? Sorry? Have you compensated any of the victims? These girls, have you compensated them? I don't believe so. Why not?
15: The exchange continued.
12: Senator, I view my job and the job of our company as building the best tools that we can to keep our community safe. Well, you're failing at that. Well, Senator, we're doing an industry-leading effort. We build AI oh, tools nonsense. that— Your product is killing people. Will you set up a victim's compensation fund with your money, the money you made on these families sitting behind you? Yes or no? Senator, I don't think that that's— uh, My job is to Sounds sure like a build no. good tools.
15: Mayor Adams is hoping to change that answer to a yes someday soon. Zoe E., Columbia Radio News.
1: You're listening to Uptown Radio. There's more to come. Stay with us. listening to uptown radio i'm samuel eli shepherd and i'm tomas baronio coming up new york
0: city is suing the big five tech companies for inflicting harm to children's mental health
1: last month new york announced the opening of a forthcoming public pool it's taken more than a decade to build
14: we're actually moving at lightning speed it takes 16 years to build an apartment building in this city
0: and skiers grapple with their sport in the face of climate
12: change I definitely see a decline in the sport in the future, which is really sad.
1: These stories and more coming up. But first, the headlines.
3: Via Radio News in New York, I'm Claire Davenport. Israeli leader Benjamin Netanyahu agreed to send Israeli negotiators to Paris to discuss a temporary halt in fighting. They will be joined by CIA Director Bill Burns, along with Qatari officials, to discuss the release of hostages in return for a temporary halt in fighting. In Gaza, Israeli airstrikes have flattened a mosque and killed yet another civilian, where more than half of the civilian population is sheltering. Gaza's Ministry of Health said that 99 people were killed across the strip overnight, most of them women and children. Israeli Defense Forces are now threatening a ground invasion during the holy month of Ramadan, and it's unclear where else the civilian population can go. Alexei Navalny's mother said she's resisting pressure for a secret burial for her son. In a video released today, Ludmila. Ludmila Navalnya blamed Russian officials for her son's death and says she is being blackmailed. She said she was told if she doesn't agree to a secret burial, something might happen to her son's body. And today, President Biden met with Navalnya's widow, Yulia Navalnya, and his daughter, Dasha. Two more of Alabama's major IVF providers have suspended service because of a recent ruling that designates unborn children as children. Human life cannot be wrongfully destroyed without incurring the wrath of a holy god said of Chief Justice Tom Parker. The 8-to-1 decision could have wide implications for access to reproductive care, such as IVF, if other states are to rule in similar cases. Republican President candidate Nikki Haley walked back comments she made and supported the ruling this morning.
0: This is Upturn Radio. I'm Tomas Baroneo.
1: And I'm Samuel Eli Shepard.
0: The Lunar New Year Parade is coming up on Sunday. Celebrating the Chinese Year of the Dragon, marching in the parade on Sunday. Um, marching in the parade on Sunday is Lunar New Four Hall, a group that advocates for the acceptance of LGBTQ+ Asian Americans in Lunar New Year celebration. But this year, the scope of the group's activism has expanded to take on a broader causes beyond just empowering queer Asians. Karen Lee is a co-founder of the group. Samuel Eli Shepard. Ask her about what her organization is doing this year.
7: This year, there is a lot going on in the world and as well as in New York City. Sam, as you have noticed in our Instagram, we have really been um, allies with folks who are fighting for the rights of folks in Palestine. And then as well as in New York City, there has been a movement going against the mega jail that's coming up around nearby
1: Chinatown. Can you tell me about the mega jail? I don't know very much about that.
7: Within the boundaries of Chinatown, I believe it was the Manhattan Detention Center. They are demolishing that to build a much bigger jail. Um, A lot of people have called it a mega jail. And what a lot of communities are fighting for is why can't we put more assets into Chinatown, such as affordable housing, or senior centers, youth programs, instead of building a much, much, much larger prison within Chinatown.
1: Regarding advocacy for civilians in Palestine with this ongoing war, is this something that Lunar New Year for All has always been involved in, or is this something that's new with the all the escalations that have occurred since October 7th?
7: As early as 2011 there were palestine activists coming to new york city to garner more support for lgbtq palestinians um what is new about this year is that the parade organizers better chinatown has put in a stipulation in their application about this parade is a non-political it's a non-religious parade and unfortunately because of these requirements of the parade organizers We are not able to fully align with organizations within New York City, Asians who are fighting for the rights of Palestinians to march directly with us. But we are showing support in other ways, as you have seen on our Instagram. We are inviting them to our other events that are open to the community. What you're going to see in our parade on Sunday isn't really the full story.
1: Another thing that crossed my mind was in 2023, There was a record number of anti-LGBTQ legislation introduced in the United States, particularly targeting trans youth and school curriculums across the United States. Again, with this tension of a local group versus a group that speaks out for marginalized people everywhere, how has the Lunar New Year for All group responded to this wave of legislation?
7: Part of the reason why we exist today is we want to create this space where we want to have a safe space for queer, transgender, non-conforming people to know that they're safe, that they do belong somewhere. They are a part of a community and a very strong and beautiful and proud community too. And so I think that we are a part of a movement to increase visibility, to increase inclusion of us. So I think that to all the trans folks that all these and regulations are going against them. I want them to see that there are proud communities that support them and they, they, they do belong to them. And I think it's through these things that we can show the greater world that we are here. We are very proud of who we are and we are a great asset to the community.
1: Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Sam. Elton John is selling his Atlanta penthouse. Like many of us when we move, He's decided it's time to declutter. For the singer, that means an auction at Christie's with everything from photographs and eccentric sculptures to iconic concert outfits. Pascal Hogue visited the auction house to see if the musician's collection lived up
6: to the man himself. There's a fair Last chance to you online. $75,000. That's what a pair of silver leather platform boots worn by Elton John sold for last night. The auction continues online through the middle of next week. If last night was any indication, interest is huge. Everything sold for more than expected. There was an original Banksy triptych, some Damien Hirst paintings, a grand piano, even his Bentley convertible on sale. But this morning, I visited the auction house with one question on my mind. Are people more interested in the fact that Elton John owned these items, or are they interested in the items themselves? With my friend Ovo Grato Yeye, we set out to answer this question. First, by viewing the art with our own eyes. This one is really weird. This is Jack Nicholson, it looks like. And there's this magnifying glass in front of his face, so his mouth is just absolutely gigantic. You know, he's got the, the pearly whites just shining, and it's just perfect. Estimated price, $12,000 to $18,000. I would put $100 on this one. What do you think? 110 Uh, maybe like 200 So the fact that Elton John owned this portrait doesn't mean that much to us. But we're no experts. Natella Cordenovice works in the photography department at Christie's. She says most people do care who owned it.
4: I think people really love the memorabilia, his concert costumes, watches, glasses, and of course his car.
6: Katie Gordino also works at Christie's. She says the interest is probably a bit of both.
4: I think there's honestly a really big split in the middle. So there's a lot of people that have come in that have dressed up and worn like fun sunglasses and boas and really just love him as a person and an artist and have come in for that reason. And then I think the other half are people who really just love the pieces.
6: Then the two of them, Daniela and Katie, started talking about their favorite pieces
11: two letterman jackets are like baseball jackets and they're so cute like I actually would wear them yeah. <laughs> like I'd buy them and I would wear them I also do kind of like the horny sign Yeah. I'm sold last night for how, for how much like 20,000 the horny That's neon sign yeah I just think it's cute so I okay. it. yeah, yeah I totally like hanging that on my wall like yeah. sure
6: by the end of my visit I think I'd answered my question people love Elton John and they love his art collection just as much the auction continues through Wednesday. Pascal Hogue, Columbia Radio News.
1: Examined allegations of cartel ties to allies of Mexico's President Andres Manuel Lopez.
0: Concerns that California might remain in a snow dirt this winter have finally started to calm down. This is after a series of storms this month over
1: Sierra Nevada, which people find as a cause of concern during this time of the year. Russian authorities have declared that the opposition leader, Alexei A. Navalny, died of natural causes but do not want to release his remains until his family agrees to a secret funeral. In Washington Heights, NYPD officers
0: rescued a man who fell on a subway track. This incident occurred at 7.20 a.m. The man has been taken to Harlem Hospital for evaluation.
1: NYC has approved of a new inclusive St. Patrick's Day parade for Staten Island. The LGBTQIA community was banned from attending parades in Staten Island and will now be finally be able to participate.
0: China has told the International Court of Justice that the Palestinians must, must not be denied justice at a hearing on the Israeli
1: occupation of the Palestinian territories. An equity commission created by the U.S. Department of Agriculture has released over 60 recommendations, it says will finally bring more fairness to policies affecting farming and rural America. The department has sprawling oversight of policies affecting not just farming subsidies, but widely utilized nutrition assistance programs and rural development projects, such as utilities, broadband, and home building. In early 2023, a rare but deadly formal meningitis began
0: appearing across the United States, which implicated patients who had cosmetic surgery at two clinics in Matamoros, Mexico City, a city across the border from Texas, The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued a notice to alert doctors in May, and they began finding dozens of confirmed and probable cases. Patients who had been to the two clinics were notified that they may have been exposed to the fungus.
1: Less than a week after the Alabama Supreme Court ruled that embryos created through in vitro fertilization are considered children, Two of the state's major IVF providers have suspended services as they consider the legal repercussions of the decision. It's hard to imagine swimming
0: in an outdoor pool in mid-February, but summer is just around the corner. A new statewide initiative to make swimming safer includes two indoor pools to be built in Queens and Brooklyn and the introduction of free or discounted swimming lessons for young people. The plan also includes money for a long-awaited floating pool in New York City. Mayor Adams sang its praises at the initiatives launched last month.
10: No two, this was an invention that was possible of being able to use our own waterways to find pools and communities who have historically been ignored.
0: Dominic Hall Thomas reports from one of the potential sites for the new pool.
2: I'm down here at one of the proposed sites of the Plus Pool on the lower east side. The water actually looks pretty clean. It's a bit murky, but it doesn't look like there's any sewage or trash flowing through.
1: Quite simply, it's a floating pool that filters the river water that it floats in. Um, it's basically a giant strainer that brings in river water cleans it through the walls of the pool so you're swimming in natural real river water.
2: That's Dong Ping Wong, the pool's designer, explaining how the filtering system works at a conference. The pool, called the plus pool because it's shaped like a plus sign, has been a long time in the making. 14 years in fact.
14: We're actually moving at lightning speed. It takes 16 years to build an apartment building in this city.
2: Kara Meyer is the managing director of the plus pool so it's her job to clear the final hurdles to get part of the pool in the water this summer. The Department of Buildings, Economics, and Environmental Conservation all have a hand in this, which is why it's taken so long to get the necessary approvals.
14: So many different agencies and a lot of different agencies aren't necessarily used to collaborating on the regular.
2: The team behind the pool has held two rounds of fundraising, plus the mayor announced it will get $16 million from the state and city this year. It's a simple idea. As summers get longer and hotter because of the climate crisis, having more public pools to cool off in is becoming more and more important. But there simply aren't enough pools to go round. Cara Meyer says in New York, there is just one pool for every 150,000 people.
14: Comparable cities or what's recommended. It's more one to every 20,000. So we're just grossly, grossly underserved.
2: But convincing New Yorkers it's safe to swim in the East River will be its own challenge
1: it is totally feasible
2: jeremy cherson is the policy expert at riverkeeper a nonprofit focused on the health of the state's waterways he says that the city desperately needs more places for new yorkers to swim and that plus pool is a step in the right direction to solving this problem
1: just seems like a common sense investment we should make now because some of the planning for this takes 10 to 20 years to go from idea to an actual physical location.
2: So if somebody came up to you and was like, okay, I don't want to swim in the Hudson or the East River or the Plus Pool because it's river water, what would you say to them?
1: Well, I mean, I will share the data that we have that shows how often the water can be safe for swimming. I think that might be cold comfort.
2: The Plus Pool is one step closer to reality, but it still leaves some questions unanswered. One thing is for sure, though. I'll dive in when it is open.
14: Yes, you're welcome. Of course, there's probably going to be no diving. <laughs>
2: oh, <I'm sure>. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. Dominic Hall Thomas, Columbia
1: Radio News. Winters are getting warmer, and this can mean problems for skiers. Man made snow has been a lifeline for the sport to continue. A simple solution, you'd think. When life won't give you snow, you make it yourself. But, as Desiree Nikvarjum reports, it can be hard to beat Mother Nature.
13: Richard Casey is an alpine skier at Colgate University. He's been racing since he was 13. He says increasingly, weather has been impacting his sport, like last weekend when one of his races got canceled.
12: It started thundering and lightning, um, and that's never, that's never happened in my life before. I've never been around right. snow and had lightning strike and, like, a mountain stop. So that was really crazy.
13: In the Northeast, most skiers and competitive athletes like Casey rely on man-made snow. He says that can come with some benefits, especially for racers like him. One reason, man-made snow has more moisture.
12: So if it sits there in a big pile for a while, it can actually like condense into some really good ice. And that ice is awesome for us to race on.
13: But he says there can be drawbacks too. Especially when you're racing downhill at over 50 miles per hour, the way that snow is distributed matters.
12: Because if it's pushed out and spread apart too soon, it gets really granular, like sugar, and that is like really not good for us to compete on. It's very inconsistent and it can be really dangerous.
13: Casey says when you have a combination of warm temperature and man-made snow, there can be bumps of ice which are not racer friendly. Also, man-made snow isn't enough. If the temperatures aren't low enough, it could all melt away. Todd Enders is an alpine ski coach. He's also at Colgate. He says using man-made snow isn't a big deal. We've been using it for over 40 years. But we haven't had to rely on it the way we do today, and that can cause problems.
8: It doesn't scare me or bother me that there's more man-made snow in our future. What would concern me would be how are those costs going to transfer over to us and the ski racer, the youth that are racing, and will we be able to manage a sport that's already becoming too expensive for many
13: a season pass alone can cost up to a thousand dollars then there's the unpredictable weather now add an extra thousand for the costs of man-made snow richard casey the colgate skier has also noticed this he said when he was a kid he had to sign up for his hometown ski team by july to secure a spot now he says spots are open well into november he knows this because his mom still gets team emails
12: That just never happened when I was younger. It was like, if you didn't get in there in the middle of the summer, when most people aren't even thinking about racing, uh, then you're just not gonna be able to do it that season. So yeah, I I definitely see a decline in the sport in the future, which is really sad.
13: Casey's team is participating in the regional championships this weekend at Bristol Mountain. The forecast predicts snowy showers on Saturday with a high of seven on Sunday. Desiree Nikvarijam, Columbia Radio News.
1: A recent report from the Center for the Study of Women in Television and Film shows that women are still underrepresented behind the camera of box office hits. But the Justice Film Festival at FIT is aiming to change that. It's just opened, and more than 60% of the films it's showing have women in key roles, like director, producer, or EP. Clara Bowders turns the camera on some filmmakers who are often not in the spotlight.
16: Lisa Spry's new film Speak is playing today at FIT. It's a short, just 10 minutes. It embodies a man's struggle with his feelings.
1: What does it mean to be a man? Does it mean to be strong for others? To support?
7: Yeah, it's a film about being vulnerable, uh, so letting yeah, dropping all the layers, all the masks we have in front of us uh, and really show ourselves. And then from the perspective of a man, I'm very soft. So I'm uh,
3: <laughs> not the bossy filmmaker who stands there like, do this, do this.
16: Fry directed the movie. She says being a female director has an impact on how she works. And the actors aren't used to a boss who's a lady.
7: I think this is also a strength to really I I really try to see my team. I really try to use the potential that is there instead of putting myself over on top of someone. I'm like, okay, what do we have? What are the talents? And I let everyone, I try to give everyone also the freedom to bring that in. Maybe also for some people, a new way of leadership.
16: (laughs) Both Fry and Colleen Said have had to endure barriers when trying to work in the film industry. For Colleen, it's more than just using they, she pronouns.
5: Like, yes, the identity of people who are not male, but I think it's also the fact that people who are not male, we want to share stories that are either ours or stories we don't normally see, which challenges the patriarchy, directly or indirectly.
16: Colleen's film, I Identify as Me, is also playing at the Justice Film Festival. Her next step as a director will be to turn the film into a series, Clara Bowders, Columbia Radio News.
0: And now, back to the news.
3: Israeli leader Benjamin Netanyahu agreed to send Israeli negotiators to Paris to discuss a temporary halt in fighting. They will be joined by CIA Director Bill Burns, along with Qatari officials, to discuss the release of hostages in return for a temporary halt in fighting. In Gaza, Israeli airstrikes have flattened a mosque and killed yet another civilian where more than half of the civilian population is sheltering. Gaza's Ministry of Health said that 99 people were killed across the Strip overnight, most of them women and children. Israeli Defense Forces are now threatening a ground invasion during the holy month of Ramadan and it's unclear where else the civilian population can go. Alexei Navalny's mother said she's resisting pressure for a secret burial for her son. In a video released today, Ludmila Navalnya blamed Russian officials for her son's death and says she's being blackmailed. She said she was told if she doesn't agree to a secret burial, something might happen to her son's body. And today, President Biden met with Navalny's widow, Yulia, and his daughter, Dasha. Two more of Alabama's major IVF providers have suspended service because of a recent ruling that designates unborn children as children. Human life cannot be wrongfully destroyed without incurring the wrath of a holy God, said Court Chief Justice Tom Parker. The 8 to 1 decision could have wide implications for access to reproductive care, such as IVF. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley walked back comments she made and supported the ruling this morning.
15: I didn't say that I agreed with the Alabama ruling. What the question that I was asked is Do I believe an embryo is a baby? I do think. That if you look in the definition, an embryo is considered an unborn baby. And so, yes, I believe from my stance that that is.
3: And in more health news, it seems Viagra, the drug popular for men managing erectile dysfunction, is boosting more than just libidos. An unexpected side effect of Viagra might be decreased risk for memory loss. Researchers at University College London tracked the health of nearly 300,000 middle-aged men and found that there was lower risk among 18% of participants for developing Alzheimer's disease. One step, once again, for mankind, the robot lander Odysseus just touched down by the moon's south pole about 10 minutes ago. The probe is the first US vehicle to land on the moon since Apollo 17, and it seems these days even dogs are lying about their age. The Guinness World Records board stripped Bobby, a Portuguese mastiff, of his title of oldest dog in the world. Bobby's owner claimed he was the ripe old age of 31 years and 5 months old when he died last October, but many veterinary skeptics noted that the dog had no registration to confirm his date of birth. And it's 42 degrees and currently cloudy, with light showers expected later tonight and tomorrow. Six trains are running with delays in both directions due to a rail repair, and you can expect traffic delays and emergency personnel near East 47th Street and First Avenue in Manhattan due to a protest. This is Claire Davenport, Columbia Radio News.
1: Earlier in the show, we said that the LGBTQIA community was banned from attending parades in Staten Island. That was incorrect. It was groups that have not been allowed. According to Staten Island Live, they will now be able to participate. That's it for this edition of Upturn Radio. We hope you have enjoyed the show. Our executive producer today was Dean Condoleo. Leading our staff of reporters was senior producer Christina Makaya, joined by assistant producer Zoe Yi, and shaping up was senior editor Irina Humanaek, with help of assistant editor Fahima Degia. Director Maureen
0: Saint coordinated our studio production team. In charge of webcasting and social was Julia Leo, and working the board was Dominic Holt
1: thomas Cecilia Blotto and Claire Davenport delivered our local newscast. And day reporters Clara Bowders and Pascal Hoag brought you the latest on the ground in New York.
0: Our instructors, Sally Herships, Carrie Deneau, and Priscilla Alaby advised our staff. And we are your hosts. I'm Tommaso Baroneo.
1: And I'm Samuel Eli Shepard. Uptown Radio is live Thursdays at 4, but you can always find us at UptownRadio.org. Until next time, and from all of us here at Uptown Radio, thanks for listening.